thanks for checking out this episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. On this episode, we welcome the return of bluegrass legend Del McCurry of his namesake Del McCurry Band. I spoke to Del over a video call about the new Del McCurry Band album, Almost Proud. That's coming out tomorrow, Friday, February 18th. We'll get to my interview with Dell in just a moment, but first, let's hear about the sponsor of this episode. This episode is sponsored by SiriusXM. Watch a replay of Fish live from the 9th Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio. SiriusXM subscribers can relive the one-of-a-kind live stream or experience it for the first time exclusively on the SiriusXM app, available now through March 1st. No car required. After you finish listening to this jam-based podcast episode, you can tune in to SiriusXM Fish Radio to hear musical highlights with behind-the-scenes commentary about the historic performance. Fish Radio is available to SiriusXM subscribers on their phone and connected devices at home, including Fire TV, Apple TV, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Android TVs, and much more with the SiriusXM app. The unprecedented viewing event took place in the wake of the postponement of Fish's traditional New Year's Eve run at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Instead, the band performed on December 31st without an audience, but with full arena production. SiriusXM generously underwrote production costs to make the Fish Live from the Ninth Cube livestream free, and to contribute to Fish's mission of bringing their community together to support those in need. The three-set Fish Live from the Ninth Cube livestream marked the first time Fish had included a dialogue with their fans during a show, through social media comments and requests, which were viewable by the band while they performed. The show is part of Fish's Dinner in a Movie series, where the band provides a variety of recipes that fans make and then post photos of their results. New Year's Eve's lemon-themed recipes included guitarist Trey Anastasio's instructions for making lemonade when you get handed lemons. The Dinner in a Movie series has raised money through the band's Water Wheel Foundation to help nonprofits around the country and beyond. The Water Wheel Foundation raised over $300,000 from fan donations for six nonprofits close to the Fish community on New Year's Eve bringing the total monies raised during the pandemic to over $1.2 million. Additional donations can be made at any time at fish.com slash waterwheel. Jambase podcast listeners who sign up for a new SiriusXM subscription will get three months of the SiriusXM app, SiriusXM standalone streaming service, for free. Visit SiriusXM.com slash streamfish for offer details. Don't miss your chance to watch Fish live from the Ninth Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio exclusively on the SiriusXM app, now through March 1st. No card required. You know, I often mention how cold it is here in Minneapolis during the winter months, and today's no different, though at least we are above zero. I'll admit I'm already looking forward to warmer seasons ahead, and that only increased this week with the announcement of Fish's spring and summer tours. The band confirmed 34 shows beginning with three nights in Alabama over Memorial Day weekend and ending with Fish's first four-show run at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Colorado over Labor Day weekend. First up is a short first leg spanning May 27th to June 5th, and then a return to the road between July 14th and August 14th, before ending the tour at Dick's on September 1st through the 4th. The band will hit familiar spots like Deer Creek, Alpine Valley, Great Woods, The Man, Jones Beach, Bethel Woods, Walnut Creek, Merriweather Post, Blossom, Pine Knob, and Atlantic City, among a few others. Visit Jambase for information on Fish's upcoming tour dates, and when and where you could purchase tickets. While you're there, be sure to update your Jambase profile to track all of your favorite bands and venues so you can be notified when new shows are announced. Some of the recently announced shows and tours include My Morning Jacket's Summer Tour, Goose making their Red Rocks headlining debut, and Widespread Panic returning to North Carolina. We've also had newly confirmed upcoming tours for the Foo Fighters, Fleet Foxes, Modest Mouse, and Elvis Costello, along with a whole bunch of others. 
Festivals happening in the coming weeks and months continue to fill in the blanks on their lineup cards. The Peach Music Festival confirmed its 2022 lineup, which includes Trey Anastasio Band, the Black Crows, Billy Strings, Joe Russo's Almost Dead, and many others. The inaugural Sound on Sound Music Festival lineup features over 20 acts, including Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds, the Lumineers, and Stevie Nicks. Merlefest organizers finalized the festival's 2022 lineup with the additions of the Wood Brothers, Josh Turner, and many more. And there are many more festival listings loaded with information on the Jambase Festival Guide. Visit jambase.com festivals for lineups, locations, ticket links, and all the essential information you need to go see live music at a festival this year. All right, now let's get to my interview with Del McCurry, who I was lucky enough to have previously interviewed at the 2019 High Sierra Music Festival. This time around, the 83-year-old guitarist and I spoke over a video call, and we mostly honed in on the Del McCurry Band's new album, Almost Proud. We chatted at the end of last year, and he told me about what he had been up to during the pandemic, and how he adjusted to life after being forced off the road from touring for probably the first time in his career that began over six decades ago. Del then told me about how that time off helped lead him to the songs that he recorded for Almost Proud. The break allowed Del to revisit several years' worth of songs that, in one way or another, had made it into a collection that ended up being the source of songs on the record. Del talked about recruiting renowned guitarist and singer Vince Gill for the song Honky Tonk Nights. And we also talked about the pair of original songs he wrote for the album, Running Wild and The Misery You've Earned. It was an absolute pleasure and a total honor to get to talk to Del again. You won't want to miss the new Del McCurry Band album, Almost Proud, when it gets released tomorrow, February 18th. So here's part of the Almost Proud single, once again, to lead us into my interview with Del McCurry. I've been drinking to numb the pain But I can't drown your memory away That bottle of comfort Keeps calling my name I keep drinking To numb the pain It's the same old same yeah, night after night Heart broke on a stool Under the neon light And I ought to go on home And get out of this bar Once again It's 1 a.m. And I'm wondering where you are. Well, well, Del, I'm really excited to talk to you today. We're going to talk mostly about uh, the new Del McCurry Band album, Almost Proud, which is coming out next year on February 18th. Um, I've been listening to it over the past few days. It's a really compelling record. Um, I, I think it, it's, uh, it, it's a great addition to your career of, of terrific music. And, and um, it, it's called Almost Proud, but I think there's a lot to be proud about uh, with what you guys put down on, on it. Um, before we start talking about the album, though, I want to ask a little bit about sort of your reaction over the past couple of years to... This COVID nineteen pandemic um, obviously it, it forced you guys off the road, and I was curious: had you ever spent that much time off the road before, or, or when was the last time you had been forced not to tour like that? 
Well, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been forced out of, <laughs> out of yeah. Yeah, it did. It felt funny, you know, to, in, in a way, it felt good because, you know, I didn't have nothing to do. Didn't have to sure. get on the bus to go fly or do anything, you know. But, yeah. But yeah, it was the first time in years. You know, well, I don't remember when, when we didn't have any work at all, you know. Yeah, I bet you haven't gone a whole year without a show in a long time. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Since you started, yeah. Yeah, there have been slim times, you know. But then of course. probably the slimmest times back when I was working a day job and playing music, you oh, know. Yeah. But then I was busy all the time, you know, with something anyway. But yeah. So so what did you do to keep yourself busy what, since you weren't touring? Well, I'll tell you what. We played uh, uh, the Grand... I'm a member of the Grand Ole Opry, you know? And yes. we played that on March 9th, on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then that week it shut down for us. Our, our, my booking agent, he canceled a bunch of shows and then... And, and they cancel him yet to us. But anyway, so I thought, well, you, through the years, you know, uh, I've, people have sent me demos of songs on, on CDs mm-hmm. to record. And I I just had, most of the time I'm on the road and don't have time to listen to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I thought, I'm going to get that box of CDs out and listen go through the whole thing and listen to everything. So I did, you know, and, and sometimes, and I'd make, I'd make a note on a CD. Sometimes the CD would have more than one song on it to listen to, you know, to, mm-hmm. the songwriter send me. And so I'd make notes and everything. And then I, I went back, actually in the wind up, I think I learned about 25 songs from all that. And, okay. uh, um, learned them enough to, get the right key and the right tempo for me. And I put it on tape, uh, on tape. So I wouldn't forget it, you know, forget the way uh-huh. I did it. And, so you and mean then, like you, you demoed it? Like, you, are you saying you recorded yourself playing the songs? Yeah. Yeah. I take, okay. take what I heard. And uh-huh. I'd, uh, uh, if, if the, if the words weren't with it, sometimes the words, are, there was nothing on the CD, just a blank CD with, with songs on it. Didn't uh-huh. even say, didn't even say who the writer was. Nothing. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so <laughs> I get uh, Chris to research all the stuff if I was going to record it, you know, to find okay. out who wrote it and the name of the song and you name it. But anyway, I'd write words down, too, if I didn't have words with it. And and, and that way, uh, and then I, then I had something to look at, you know, when I was trying to record the song. And, and so we, the only reason I recorded them then was so I wouldn't forget what I learned about the song, you know. So then we went in the studio in the fall of that year and uh, and recorded. Uh, I think we 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 recorded more than uh, what's on the record. I'm, I we would probably recorded fifteen or sixteen songs. I would say. Oh wow! That some of them we didn't put on the record. You know, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some holdovers, I'm sure, you know. But we've got holdovers from years back, too. Ron, my son, told me. He said, you remember recording so-and-so song? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you forget, you know. 
right yeah so he pulled out the the title track or, or, or no i'm sorry he he pulled out one of the songs uh running wild that was uh an original that you had demoed like 15 years ago is that is that correct oh no let's see no let's see i just wrote that i just wrote that well what happened so when i'm listened to all these songs then i got inspired to write something myself that was okay. one of them so i wrote that uh just before we recorded it i guess i wrote it and uh, the misery you've earned those two i wrote them uh in that time period too when i was listening to all this stuff you know But listen, babe, the time will come for me to say, unfaithful one, why do I cry? Why do I cry? And I wake till the morning light. I cannot let her know I can. She'll never know the pain I bear. Were you inspired from the songs that you were listening to to, to write the new songs of your yeah. own? Mm, yeah. I think I was. I thought, well, you know, and just according to how I feel, sometimes I don't feel like, I don't consider myself a songwriter. Now, I'll tell you who mm -hmm. I consider a songwriter, the guy that gets up every morning and says, I'm going to write a song today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do not do that. The, the Tom T. Halls of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and they'll write, they'll write every day or every waking minute. Well, Woody Guthrie, they said he was like that. He just wrote mm -hmm. all the time, you know. Now, so what's I, your what's your writing process like then? Well, you know, uh, maybe, a, maybe a line will hit me or a, a word or two, you know, or a melody sometimes. Just a little, mm -hmm. a little bit of a melody, you know. And, and I think, well, I'll try writing a few words to it. And then, and then I get into it and I think, oh, why did I start this? I can't even get the second verse going. <laughs> Usually, you can you can write a verse in the chorus pretty easy, and then the second verse. Oh, it's and third. If you're going to write the third verse, you might as well put a bullet to your head. <laughs> it's misery sometimes. So, <laughs> so that's why you don't consider yourself a songwriter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What was the inspiration then behind the misery you've earned? It's a it's a pretty deep song. Yeah, it is, you know. And I don't know. I don't think I started out with that line. I, mm -hmm. I started with another line. I don't know. And uh, but God knows where I. <laughs> yeah, I forget so easy these days. I forget things. When you hey, when you turn eighty. You'll find that out. <laughs> I hope I do. I'm I'm half your age right now, Del. So I'm hoping I double up someday. <laughs> you do. You forget. You forget. And you know, in a week or two, you forget things. But I don't know if I had a if I had a theme in mind when I wrote either one of those songs. I could. I just don't remember now. You know. Did you have a theme in mind once you collected the songs and that you decided to record? Because there does seem to be some 
some recurring themes that come up. I, I, I've marked down heartbreak comes up quite a bit and, uh, yeah, there's a reflective nature to some of the songs Like kind of looking back at your life and, and, and assessing it, evaluating it. I also noticed there's quite a few songs that are about drinking. Like it almost sounded like George Jones could be singing a few of them. Um, were, were any, were any of those themes or did you have a, a, a theme in mind as you compiled the songs that became the record? No, I didn't. I usually don't. You know, I usually don't mm-hmm. have. And and what I like in a record is is variety. You know, sound variety of sounds and keys and tempos and all that. You know. Yes. And and uh, so, but you know, you're right about that. One day when we were recording, my son Ronnie he told me, Dad, you know, he said there's there's a lot of drinking songs in this. Did you know that? <laughs> is there? <laughs> it's just that I like the songs, you know. <laughs> it's not that you like. It's not the drinking you like. It's the songs. It's the drinking, <laughs> I like the songs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he he thought I might change my mind about uh, putting some of them on the record, and I said I don't care. You know, I just like a variety <laughs> kind of, you know. And and, and I never did I, all the records I ever did. I never really had a theme in mind. I just. Uh, I just like having, like I said, variety of sounds, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I know one time I went to see a band when I was pretty young yet. And uh, I like this band. And, and so I went to see them at a, at a live show. And they 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 did their show. And I, through their show, I got to thinking that this band sounds alike on all everything they're doing. and. Then finally I realized they were doing everything in the key of A, mm-hmm. everything the same tempo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this song was the same tempo as the one they just sang in the same key they just sang. <laughs> and, so it all starts blending I, together. Yeah, yeah. And I thought if I ever record, this is before I started recording, you know. Mm-hmm. If I ever record, I want to keep that in mind to keep different sounds in a show or in a record, you know. Uh, to keep people's interest, you know, they'll go to sleep on you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, the the ear gets tired after a while. And yeah. You, you, you lose interest. That's right. <laughs> so when you were going through this, the the collection of demos that you had, that you that you were listening to, were you, did you, was it a situation where you instantly knew the song was one that you wanted to, to try and arrange and sing? Or did you, were, did some of them grow on you? Did you have to listen to them a few times? No, you know, usually the first time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, if I'm going to like it, I'll like it the first time I hear it, you know. And I don't know if it be the melody or the or the story or the lyrics, but but I'll like it right off the start, you know. And, and then I just, whatever else is on there, when I listen to it, I'll just make a note that that's the one I want to work on that one song, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we, we talked about, there's a couple of new originals on the album, but there's also a few covers that I think are kind of interesting, it, but it sounds like you didn't know in some instances whether or not the song had been recorded before. Is that right? That's, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I just, I just knew that I had it on a CD and maybe that, that there's no label on it or anything. You know? 
So for instance, like the last track is Other Shore, which was recorded by the California Honey Drops, uh, which yeah. is kind of an obscure band for the Del McCurry band to cover. Uh, how did that song end up in, in, in your rotation? I'll tell you what, I had that CD. And I guess they gave us a CD when, see, we have a festival up there in, in Maryland, you know, every year. Yes, and sir. They, I didn't realize it, but they, they had played there. I don't know why I didn't realize that. But Okay. And then somehow they probably gave my daughter, my daughter's, she runs the the record shop up there. At that oh, okay. And they, the bands all come to her to, uh, like after their show, to sign autographs there at the tent, you know, record tent. And they probably gave her a copy of their record. And then I, and I hear it was in the box with my stuff, you know, so. Uh-huh. So I, I listened to it and I liked that song. I did. I like that. Yeah. It's a great verse. I mean, you you really gave it your own arrangement, your own feel. It definitely it it, it's, it resembles so. the original, but it definitely is a Del McCurry band song. It's you know yeah. in the end. Um, what about a song like "Rainbow of My Dreams"? Now that's a song that you you definitely knew about and have heard. Yeah. Long ago, what what makes the song like that want to be recorded? What what makes you want to record that song now? Well, you know, uh, I don't know who originally done that song. I don't even know who the writer was, but I heard Lester Flat do it. He uh, there, there was a tape of it. There was a tape of it. Him and Earl and that fiddle player. I forget that fiddle player's name. And it was. Uh, it was when they were working on the song, I think. It was just a tape. And mm-hmm. uh, and it sounded so good. I, I like, I, of course, I like Lester Flat, you know. And, sure. And uh, plus, I like the song, you know, I like the chord progression and all that in it, you know, and, and rainbows and all that. I like that too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dreams and all that. <laughs> it was just something that struck me, you know, when I first heard it. Sure. And I had heard it a long time ago and decided, well, you know, I'd like to record that record and, or that song. And so we did it on this. And it wasn't exactly like I wanted it for some reason. I, I thought it would sound a little different than it did, but but I guess it's okay, you know. It's, it's, I think uh, it turned out terrific, yeah. That's good. So when you then went in to record the album, when did you do that and where was it recorded? Okay. Oh, that's a long story too. You know, all right. Uh, you've heard? Have you ever heard Grandpa Jones? I don't Grandpa think so. Jones. He's he's a comedian and a singer on the Grand Ole Opry. You know. He's okay. The, okay. Here, sure. Here. Sure. <laughs> and and he had this place. He had this little farm, and it's a it's a it's a dead end road where it is. He lives up this. He lived up this holler here. Here in Tennessee, just a little ways from my house here, and uh, of course he died. And uh, this guy that I know bought it, and uh, on this farm was a tractor shed. And uh, this guy that bought the, the place, he has built I don't know how many studios in this town. He he's built okay four that I know of. Oh wow. And, so he bought that, and he thought, well, I'm just going to put a studio here in the tractor shed, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
he closed it all in and got sprayed that foam. You know how they do them. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a, good, a dead sound deadening place. Mm-hmm. And uh, we recorded there. And that's the name of it, the tractor shed. That's the name <laughs> of the studio. <laughs> and, it's a great name. But the, the engineer is, uh, wait a minute, is, uh, oh God, what's his name? I forget so many things now that I got turned 80. <laughs> uh, shucks. I'll get his name sometime. I'll probably remember it. Okay. But he's, a, he's a good engineer. And he used to play. We used to record a place called a butcher shop. Right. <laughs> so so the, the, the tractor shed, the butcher shop. Yeah. yeah. There's a story with that, too. Now, we record a lot of records there. And I used to tell people, if you want your record butchered up, just go down there. <laughs> that was that was John Prine's place, right? It was. Yeah, yeah that's right. They, and and it, they knocked the, they knocked the building down, didn't they? Well, they moved it. They oh, turned okay. it around. It's a great big brick building. Yeah. They, they said they're going to put this down there and that over there. So they moved okay. it right on okay. its foundation, you know. And uh, and but the the guy that started uh, engineering for us there was. Uh, uh, David Ferguson. He he's a oh, yeah, Ferg. Yeah, yeah. You know Ferg. <laughs> I know of him definitely. I've heard I've heard some crazy stories about him. He seems like quite a character, but but quite a quite an amazing ear for music as well. Yeah, he he knew he knew recording man. He did, and then, but then he he trained this young guy. I'm trying to think of this guy's name. Uh, when you see we were we were playing we were recording for him when it was still on tape when they were still using tape. Sure, sure. All right, they got started this computer business. (laughs) (laughs) All that stuff, you know. And so he'd be in the studio there and he'd say, he'd cuss real big, you know. He'd say, I got to call Sean. He'd call Sean. Sean Sullivan, that's his name. That's the new guy. Because this guy was was going to school down here for this kind of work. And, 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 um, uh, what do you call this thing we're talking on now? The <laughs> oh, the video call, the Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And in other words, it was start. It was going from. Uh, it was going to hard drives. You know, that's what. Oh, they, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Digital. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, digital. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, oh, he'd get all messed up. And he'd say, "I gotta call Sean." He'd pick up the phone. He'd call Sean. Sean could be over just in a minute from school. Oh wow! <laughs> he was going to college down here for this stuff, you know, and he yeah. knew these, he knew this video stuff and everything. So, so actually, he learned a lot of it from Sean, and then eventually, though, he just turned everything over to Sean Sullivan. That's who did our record now, and he, he's done a couple of them already. <laughs> well, it sounds absolutely terrific. Yeah. Um, you said before that you don't consider yourself a songwriter, but do you consider yourself a singer or a guitar player? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I don't know which I'm worse at. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're selling yourself short, my friend. I think you're pretty. I think you're pretty good at both of those things. You know, I I think. Uh, you know, I think one depends on the other. A lot of times, my uh-huh. singing depends on my guitar playing, and my guitar playing depends on my singing. I think, in a lot of ways, I think. They're both, uh, I've been doing it so long that uh, one just goes with the other one automatically, you know, and 
and that most of the stuff we do, you know, I, I, I we do it live in the studio, you know. I was wondering I'll that. Play right along with with what I'm singing, you know. I can. It sounds like it. I think it comes through on the album. Probably does, you know. Once in a while, I'll overdub something, mm-hmm. but uh, for the most part, it it's all uh, it's all done live, you know. And now, Jace, I remember Jace overdubbed uh, second fiddle. On okay. One or two, I believe. But he had to because he couldn't play them both at once. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's pretty difficult. <laughs> you I have don't... a. I'm sorry, you have a very distinct voice. I mean, it's instantly identifiable. But I wonder how has it changed for you as an as sort of an instrument over the years? Have you noticed that you've had to change the way that you approach recording or performing? Uh, let's see. Maybe, but you know, I the thing about me, like when I go out on a show, I don't I should do it, but I don't warm up. I, oh, really? Wow. Usually my, my voice will crack and pop a little on the first song or two. And then, mm-hmm. and then the, the more I sing, like if I do a 90-minute show, by the time I get to the end of my 90 minutes, my voice is it's where I want it to be <laughs> by that time, you know? Just and getting then, started. Then the show's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but uh, uh, as far as... Uh, any any changes there's probably been changes in my voice that i don't even recognize you know mm-hmm. uh i think i've learned more about singing since my first recordings you know about yeah. uh and, and there's another thing too when you record a song usually you don't know that song as well as you will when you start doing it on stage and you get real familiar with it then, you know, and, and you do it a lot different. Sometimes it may be better and sometimes it may not be. Right. The original might be the best thing you've ever done with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I've noticed that. And if I ever hear something that, that I have done on radio, I think, well, I don't even sing it like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, things change with time. They do. I think that the your your singing on Working Man's Wage is just stand out on the album. It's one of my favorite vocals of yours that I've heard. Um, it's interesting though. Getting back to it being a cover before, were were you aware of the Trace Atkins version from 1999? Yeah, I think that's who I learned it from. Oh, okay, I think it was. I forget now, but I think you know that was recorded. That was recorded some years ago too. Oh, okay. That, like um, before before Trace? No, no. It was oh. after Trace. Oh, okay. It, but but it wasn't in, in this this session, you know, that, that winter session. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. It was uh, Ronnie brought that in and I said, Man, I don't even remember that song, you know. It it's mm-hmm. been, been a while and I forgot I did it. But anyway, uh I was I think I was singing better then than I do right now. I think oh, I was. It's interesting that that's the track that stood out to me. uh, Yeah. Considering what we're talking about. I Uh, thought it was better too. I thought it was better than anything I sang on the record, you know. It it just, it blew me away. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Speaking of identifiable voices, uh, Vince Gill shows up on Honky Tonk Nights and he is, again, instantly identifiable. Yeah, when is. did you when did you decide to bring Vince in? I know you guys have a kind of a long history. Uh, how how was he brought into the fold? 
well, you know, <laughs> when I recorded the song, uh, I did both parts. And then okay. in the studio, I sang the lead to it, and then I did the tenor. I think I did on my, I think I did that one on that one. Usually I get Ronnie, but I think I, I sang both parts. But so Ronnie told me, he said, Dad, why don't I get, why don't we get Vince? We need to get somebody on the record, you know, that we know here in town. And and he said, why don't I get Vince to sing on that? And I said, yeah, go ahead, man. I don't care, you know. Yeah. Didn't sing a verse and and then sing the chorus with me, whatever you know. <laughs> so it's not bad to be able to to have that reaction to wanting to get Vince Gill on your record. Yeah, sure, yeah. whatever. Get call up yeah. Vince. <laughs> he knows what to do, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll know what to do. Just tell him to sing. <laughs> yeah. So and he's got a studio there in his house. You know, I recorded. Right. I recorded stuff in his studio before. I don't know what it was, but but. Uh, so Ron just sent it down there to him, and he just he just put it on and sent it back, you know. So <laughs> well, it turned. I mean, it it fits the song perfectly, and, and um, yeah. like I said, he he's instantly identifiable. Mister Jukebox, my old friend, play that song again. The one about the good love that went bad. Brother Bill, on the pain, cousin one would do the same. Daddy whisper tucks me in and says goodbye. I think the other cool addition to the album is is Josh Schilling, his piano on Once Again, which is one of his co-writes. Um, what's your relationship with Josh? How did how did that come about? Well, you know, I think I got him. It seemed like I wanted him. I wanted what it was. I wanted a piano on a record, and they said uh, on a song. And it was before this, mm-hmm. and um, they said just. Let's get get Josh. And I said, Who's Josh? And they they told me and I said, Well, is he pretty good? They said, Oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that guy can sing too, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good singer. And anyway, that's how I got to know him. And I realized he real lives real close to me here then. And oh, so okay. so I've been uh if if I need a piano player, that's who who we call now. We call Josh, you know. <laughs> I also he, wanted to, oh, sorry, go on. Then he was inspired to write this song with another guy. And when he wrote it, he said, you were the first guy that come to mind when I wrote that song was to get you to sing it, you know? And so mm-hmm. I said, okay, I will, because I like the song. You know? Yeah, it worked. It, it, it worked well, very well. Do you miss me 
when you're with someone new? Do you cry when it rains like I always do? Babe, are you happy? Tell me. I also wanted to ask you about the title track. There's a note I read that it was it was cut hours after it was written. So what's the story there? Uh, the title track. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Which almost one? proud. Almost proud. Okay. You know? Do you know Eric Gibson? You know the yes. Gibson brothers. The Gibson okay. brothers. Yeah. Eric and his the bass player wrote that. Okay. And, and he got it to me through Ronnie. He he saw Ronnie somewhere. And he said, "I I want to get a song on that record." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, he, he said, "And I've got one or something like that." Anyway, he got it to us, and uh, and I liked it. I, I really mm-hmm. did like it. So, so that's how we got that song on there. And I haven't seen him since. I haven't seen him since we recorded it. But so so it, he he wrote it, and, and it immediately got to you it sounds like because yeah. it, 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 i think it did i think as soon as he wrote it he got it to ronnie and and then we started working on it right away because when it came it came in about that during that pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we start we worked on it uh, in the studio we didn't do any pre-production on this record we the boys you know uh, well they're they're getting busy too now with their own band yeah, and I kind of hate to take up their time rehearsing. We used to rehearse everything before we recorded, but now we just—I'll get it. I'll get it to where I know I can sing it in the right key and tempo and all like that. And then I wait till I get in the studio, and I'll just sing it to those guys in the studio, and they'll work out. Ron's good about arranging instrumental okay. parts and stuff like that, so we'll just uh, do all the arranging and and stuff in the studio. Then you know. Got it. So, so that's where the arrangements come about. Is is yeah. it during the recording process? Yeah, actually, it does. Yeah, it does now. Uh, Ron, he's got a pretty good ear for that, and so I just turn him loose with it. You know, I'll sing it, I'll sing it, and then Ron will say, "Now, Jace, you you take that, you take that uh, part of the break, and Rob, you take this part of the break, and and, and it always works out good. So I just let him go with it." You know, <laughs> it turned it turned out good this time around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Del, I I want to say thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Um, I, I like I said, I really love the new album. Almost proud. It comes out next year, February eighteenth. Um, stay yeah. safe out there. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Um, be well. Appreciate it, Andy. Sure do. Uh, hey, uh, Del yeah. Delfest is coming up, right? Yes, this time it. Well, you know, we had to cancel two years. I understand. Yeah. So last time we talked, you told me that you you had an invitation for me, and I still haven't cashed in on that. So I want to make sure that that still stands. Yes. Hey, look when when the time comes. Now I'll forget, but when the time comes, you call Maria, or is that who you talk to? Yep. Yep. She and she'll get in touch with Chris and. And and there'll be a ticket at the gate for you. All right. Well, let's make that happen this year. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, Del. Well, you stay safe. Take care. Best of All luck right. to you with the new album. Uh, good health. Thanks. See you soon, I hope. All right. Thanks. And we'll try to see you at Delfest. That ain't far away, man. If not sooner. If not sooner. But definitely okay. then. Okay. Right. Yeah.
All right. Cheers. Thanks, Del. Thanks, Andy. When I think of where I came from, all I've been allowed, it makes me for a minute almost proud. When I think of where I came from and all I've been allowed, it makes me for a minute almost proud. That's all for this episode of the Jam Base Podcast. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. It sure seems like more and more of you are tuning in each week, and we couldn't be more grateful. So remember, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, leave us a review, give us a bunch of stars, smash that subscribe button. You get the idea. As I said before, it was an absolute honor to get to speak to Del McCurry again. So many thanks to Del for taking the time to talk. The new Del McCurry Band album, Almost Proud, arrives tomorrow, Friday, February 18th, wherever you get your music. Thanks to our sponsor, SiriusXM. Don't miss your chance to watch Fish's Live from the Ninth Cube special New Year's Eve concert presented by SiriusXM's Fish Radio. Thanks again to Jake Alexander for production assistance. We'll be back next week, so stay safe out there and go see live music.